This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Kat Pierce, it is yeah, such a pleasure to have you on. <clears throat> Mom, curious, I'm getting choked up for, by just hearing your... <laughs> The beginning of your song. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, you're such a beautiful singer songwriter. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so inspired by you. You do so much more than that, though. Maybe you can introduce yourself. I know that we have your bio in the show notes, but so, you know, every day is different. And I'm wondering, <laughs> who are you today? Who is Kat Pierce? Today? today, I'm renovating my new house. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's the first house I've owned and wow. I, it's just been my dream to like really be able to make a home my own. And that is just so exciting to me right now. But yeah, it I really do lots, is. lots of things. <laughs> you do lots of things. Tell me, tell me, what do you do aside from singing and acting? I know you have um, a product line of really divine scents and yeah. Um, well, I, I'm a singer-songwriter primarily. I've, I've been in a band with my sister for a long time, The Pierces, and I've done some solo stuff too. Um, and I just started a beauty line called Omen. Mm. Um, when I was trying to get pregnant a few years ago, I would, you know, I was having trouble getting pregnant, and I was reading all this stuff about, you know, flaylates and affecting your hormones. And so I started cutting out all of um, these chemical laden products that I used, and I, I started creating my own because I was like, oh, I just want to get like a really, you know. Uh, beautiful oil mix for my skin, and um, I'm obsessed with lip balm. And I, mm -hmm. so I, I mean, I go through it like crazy. So I'm like, I'm eating this stuff practically. So I want to make it, you know, something that's healthy for my skin and for my body. And um, I've always been interested in beauty products since I was little. So I just, I just kind of started developing it at that point. And then all of my friends and family were like, "This stuff's really good. You should sell it." So. That's kind of been my newest, latest venture. Wow, that's amazing. My daughter actually is three and a half and loves, she has always loved creams and like huh. potions and yeah. like she's so feminine in that way. Like she wants to like put makeup on. Yeah. And the thing is, it's really cute and I, I love it for her. Like yeah. I just think that's so, what a great way to express yourself. Cool. Yeah. But like there are so many shitty things yeah. in these makeup products even that they make for children that I'm like I think I have to find her you know it's lipstick that like edible. yeah well it's like, literally edible right I feel the same way like when I see my daughter like picking up my products and using them I'm like wait what's in that and yeah. I'm like we should use the same care for ourselves you know, know. of course like we we think of it with our children that we're trying to protect 
But yeah, we should have the same, like, we don't want to put things on our lips and skin that, you know, we can't eat or absorb and uh, it'd be healthy. So, so yeah, that's, it's, I've definitely become more conscious of that in the past few years. And I still have, you know, a couple of products that I can't give up that probably have some chemicals in them. But, you know, for the, for the main, your main routine, it's, it's, it's good to get it as chemical free as possible. And as healthy I feel as like possible. when you're pregnant, all of a sudden people start telling you things around like what to eat and how to move and what to do, uh-huh. where you sort of get this hint like, wait, I was a person like two months ago. <laughs> like I definitely was a human being who, ha- yeah. who like needed to like take care of myself then. Why did no one tell me that before? I know. Well, I think especially when you're having trouble getting pregnant, you start to really hold a magnifying glass up to every Mm. aspect of your life um, and think, well, is this the reason? Is this the reason? Is this the reason? And and that is when the advice comes in. But yeah. But yeah, we should always care for ourselves, you know, as much as possible. But I guess when you're getting pregnant, it really becomes amplified. So the the way that I found you is through Genevieve Angelson, who's yeah. one of my best friends in the whole world. Oh, I love and her. She, I love her so much. She was a guest on the show in the very first season. And that one conversation was just like like art, you know? Oh, and, she's uh, incredible to talk to. Well, she's to. an artist. She's, yeah. Yeah. she's an incredible person. Yes, she and is. And she is so in love with you. Oh, well, that is so sweet and it's mutual. Yeah. And, you know, when she shared your beautiful song about, um, well, well, maybe you'll tell me what it's, what it's about. Yeah. Um, I, well, like I said, I had trouble getting pregnant and I just felt like I wanted to try to connect with, with this soul that I was trying to bring in and, so I wrote a song for her, um, and I, I can hear her downstairs. <laughs> saying, That's so beautiful. Mama. Um, but yeah, I just making music wrote, right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a song just calling her in, just like saying, you know, we love you already. I know this is a scary, intimidating, intimidating place to come into, but we're, we're going to take care of you, and. Um, yeah, I just would sing it. I would sing it in the shower. I would um, sing it just when I was feeling sad. And it kind of just made me feel like I was building this connection with her. And it made me, it hel- helped me keep faith that I was going to bring her in. And it wow. took, you know, it took a long time. It took a lot of doctors. It took a donor egg. It took a lot, but we mm. got her here. And she's absolutely incredible. And, yeah you know, just better than I could have imagined. And I'm getting emotional (laughs) about it, but she's just my favorite, my favorite person. Really? How old is she? She's 16 months or 17 months. And she's just hilarious and just dad does playing with her downstairs. (laughs) Um, She's just so funny. Like you just, you, you know, you just don't, you forget that you're just bringing in this like fully formed you know, soul. And they, she just has so many funny little quirks and such a personality already. And it's, it's so incredible to watch and see and just be like, wow, you know, I'm just here to like guide you and show you the way, but you are already this person. It's, it's really amazing. 
Can you tell us about the journey? You know, like, um, I don't, I don't know if you've, have you, if you have listened to, um, some of our episodes here, like we really try to reflect to the community, all the different ways we can become parents. Yeah. And, and live in parenthood. And, um, I didn't actually know that it was by way of donor egg that it was like the last sort of moment where what's, yeah. what's your daughter's name? Lenora. We call her where, Lenny. Where Lenny sort of found her way here through you. Mm-hmm. But um, but we've never actually explored that. You know, oh. we've never. And I think. Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. So other people who I'm sure, you know, many, many people are seeking either surrogacy or IVF or like yep. assistance in some way. Um, and donor egg is, is new to the podcast, but not, not new in this, in this world. And I think it's such yeah, a, a lot of people, beautiful... um, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Mm. Um, and when I first heard about when someone first suggested it to me, I was like, no way. I was like, absolutely not. Why wouldn't I adopt, you know, I want it to be, you know, I want to try, or I want to try as hard as I can to, for it to be my egg, my DNA. And I just felt very shut off to it. And then a couple more people suggested it. And someone showed me a photograph of a family. And I was just so struck by how happy they looked. It was a mom who had had two, two little girls through donor egg and they just, they looked like a family and they looked like hers. They, it just, it really. And they were. And they are, they were. And I, I think I just, just seeing that photo. And of course, you know, of course they're a happy family. It just really. But not of course. I mean, like, you know, when you're in that situation, you're like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's scary. It was scary. And I had to kind of let go. I had to mourn some things and let go of some things, but it was actually an easier path to get on than I first imagined it would be. Um, I think I had done two rounds with my own eggs. I'm, I was 44 at the time. And um, my doctor- Was it was IVF? Like, with IVF. Yeah. Um, my doctor was like, you know, if you keep trying with your eggs- we might get one. You know, if you try like four, four, five, six more times, we might get one. And I was just like, wow, I'm going to put my body through all of this and spend all of this money. And it's still a maybe, you know? Right. right. And she was like, I, I suggested donor. I was like, what do you think about donor? She said, I think it's a great option. And that takes your, your chances up from like, you know, five, 4% to like, 85 percent wow and when i heard that i was just like oh my goodness you know because it wasn't about my me being able to carry it was just the quality of my eggs because of my age and um we had also talked about adoption but it was right around the time of the pandemic and suddenly like adoption was really muddy and like you know adopting from another country impossible adoption within the country way more difficult just like everything was kind of shut down and um 
we really wanted to move forward. And I just suddenly thought, you know, donor egg is a way for me to carry the baby, for my husband's DNA, you know, to be involved. Um, his parents, it was going to be their first grandchild. I knew that was important to them. And I'd always wanted to carry a baby. I'd wanted to breastfeed a baby. Mm. Um, And I just was like, you know what? This is an amazing option. So I started down that path. We started looking for a donor. I found someone that I really connected with. Um, She didn't look just like me. She actually Mm -hmm. had, we had like similar facial features, but she, you know, she was part Chinese, like, Mm. But my baby looks like me. Like she... I, I've seen pictures, actually. Yeah. And what's interesting is, like, I also interviewed a friend of mine who adopted. Mm-hmm. And her son looks just like her. Yeah. It's crazy. So... Like, And not even that that's that important, but it is kind of like a little, like, magical bonus. I'm like, wow. Like, people tell me, all that, she looks so much like you. And I'm like, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but they do say that when you carry... Um, a baby, even if it's not your egg, that your RNA can affect the DNA. So it's like your your RNA goes in and kind of flip, flips on and off switches that it recognizes. So it's like, oh, I, that's familiar to me. I'm going to flip that switch on. So you can, it can kind of like pull from your attributes, even though it's not like your actual DNA. Wow. It, can kind of, it kind of connects, it can connect with things that are familiar and turn those switches on which is incredible. That it really is incredible. I think when in the research around epigenetics, uh-huh. they say that the sort of and they did a lot of research with um descendants of Holocaust survivors like mm-hmm. what happens in trauma is uh-huh. that um the RNA changes the DNA of uh-huh. the baby so they, uh-huh. that the the baby becomes a little more hypervigilant because they're in a sort of traumatic environment. So right. in order to stay alive, it, it goes in there like a, like beep, 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 beep. Yeah. <laughs> but what would happen if it was the opposite? What if like, what if the mom is in this serene, grateful, mm-hmm. et cetera, mm-hmm. you know, this good place? What yeah. kind of buttons were you what you were you pressing on that DNA? I mean, right. it's really amazing. It's really amazing. It's really amazing. But yeah, I think I, as soon as I got pregnant with with the donor egg, I was like, you know what? I want to be really open about this and share because I know a lot of people don't know that much about it because a lot of people who do it want to keep it a secret. You know, they want to. Oh. Yeah, they don't want people to know it's not their egg. And, you know, a lot of women in Hollywood do it because they're getting pregnant later and they um, – but they don't mention it. You know, like some people you never see pregnant, but suddenly they've got a baby or that, you know, they use a, a donor egg and a surrogate. Um, so I just – I wanted to kind of just break through the taboo of that and, and be open about it. And um, I feel like, you know, if if I don't have shame about it, she's not going to have shame about it. And it's just an incredible – option for people who, you know, had to wait to get pregnant or didn't find the right partner or for whatever reason. Right. It's just, it's a really incredible option. Did you say, um, I thought I heard you say that it was expensive to do IVF. Mm -hmm. Was this a less expensive option? Well, it's not less expensive, but the chances are are better. So 
if it's more of a surefire investment. Wow. <laughs> and keep continue to do rounds of IVF with your own eggs and not ever get pregnant because you may not have eggs that are, you know, high enough quality to turn into an embryo. But this, you know, you're you're generally using eggs from a younger donor. Right. So your chances go way up. Um, uh, wow. Yeah. And so how, how long did you um, did you try before exploring this option? Um, we had been trying for years and, you know, naturally and, and we tried IVF for, you know, we the process of IVF can actually go really quickly. You know, they implant, yeah. it doesn't work. And then they're like, OK, let's go again. So we did one round, didn't work. We did another round, didn't work. The, I did implant with an embryo the first time of mine. It didn't work. Um, and then the second time we got two embryos and then we decided to have them tested and they, neither one of them were viable. So at that point, we were like, we only have limited funds. You know, are we going to keep doing this and putting my body through all the hormones and, and you know, all of this agony for the possibility that it might work? you know, or can we use younger, healthier eggs and, and start our family sooner? I love it. Yeah. Also because Lenny just wanted that egg. (laughs) Lenny wanted that egg. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Well, that's what I, that's what I would say to people like it, you know, I've, I've been able to talk to a lot of women who are having trouble getting pregnant about donor eggs and the, and they're like, you know, what, what if I don't like, you know, what should I use this donor or that donor? I'm so confused. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. That's just the vehicle for the soul. You know, you're calling in the soul and you're providing a body for it, the mm-hmm. vehicle. So just <laughs> it's it almost doesn't matter. You know, people would agonize like, but I really wanted a donor with blue eyes or I really wanted a donor with curly hair. So it looks like me. And I'm like, you never know what you're going to get anyway. You know, I know people who have kids that are their own and don't look anything like them. Oh, so for sure. Yeah. You never you never know. So just like they, what someone suggested to me was like find a donor that you have like good – that has a good energy that you'd want to be friends with, you know, that that you feel some sort of connection to. Like go on feeling rather than like they look just like me or, yeah. you know, <laughs> whatever. Not that that's silly. I mean, it, it, there is something about that. I totally – Yeah. I totally understand mm-hmm. the the want the, yeah. the want, but there want. is there it you know n- you know now that now that you are a parent now that I am a parent I realize like there is so much out of our control, like totally. there is just like more out of our control than in our control. Always <laughs> <laughs> that it's like we can't really we can't yeah. bank on any of it. You can't like orchestrate, you can orchestrate it only so much. And then it's just like <laughs> luck of the draw. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, are you, do you keep in touch with, with the donor? Is that something that continues on or is that just no, not of interest? I don't think that's something that she wanted. She, she said that, you know, there's contracts and everything similar to like adoption papers. And totally. um, she, she said she's open when, you know, if Lenny's 18, 
when after wow. she's 18, if, if Lenny wants to go find her and meet her, if that's something that interests her, she's open to that. And I would be open to that too, if that's something that Lenny wanted. Um, but you know, I, I like have so much, uh, gratefulness for her, you know, doing this. And I, you know, I think about her and I hope she's doing well. Like I think yeah. it's, I almost think of her as like part of a, my family, I don't think she, she probably doesn't think of it that way, but I just like have like this care and like love for her and for her doing that and for the gift that she, that she gave me. Yeah. There are so many sperm donors out there. I guess (laughs) what you're saying is that there are plenty of egg donors out there. We just don't know it. Oh, because many. Yeah. You look, it's like a date. You go on like a dating app and you flip through uh, pictures of them and you, you, you read all about them, you know, they tell you like, you know, what their interests and their, their, you know, their attributes and what, what they love to do. And you kind of, it's an, it's a really interesting process. I found it to be fascinating and kind of fun. And I've even helped, there's been a bunch of people that have reached out to me because I was vocal about it on social media. You know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me. Yeah. I've had a lot of people reach out to me on social media and I, um, I've helped a couple people, you know, choose their, their donor, which has been really, it's really fun. It's like a little matchmaking process. The donor that I chose was like, you know what, this, I, I think of this as cells from my body. I'm, I don't think of it as like, I'm giving you a child, I'm giving you a cell and yeah. And she said, this this is helping me um, explore my dreams because she had you know she's a super creative woman and it was helping her exp- the the funds were helping her live her dream and she said and I'm helping you live your g- dream and I just feel great about that and I was like yes you're you're the one <laughs> you're the one when yeah. uh, when we interviewed a friend of mine who um, chose single parenthood by way mm-hmm. of sperm donor. Mm-hmm. She said that she flipped through the catalog and she really like took in and she never met this man. I'm assuming Mm -hmm. you met the woman. I met her on Zoom. Wow. Mm -hmm. So she never met this man, but she, she saw what he had journaled, you know? And like, so like, she, like she really considered his handwriting and Uh his message to these families. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's how she 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 picked this person because of his sort of soul yeah that's awesome yeah it is awesome and I know another family who has connected with their sperm donor like they Uh have there's like a twin a set of twins in one family and then a child in another Mm -hmm. and now they're like brother and sister like brothers and sisters and hang out but they don't know they don't know the donor himself they just know that they are all connected somehow um which i thought was really beautiful because the truth is we are all connected yeah totally totally we are all family is Mm -hmm. they just Mm -hmm. happen to sort of know it on a dna level genetically (laughs) genetically yeah yeah Yeah. how was being pregnant um, I found it to be really tough. <laughs> <laughs> You're the first one to ever say that on the Mom Curious podcast. <laughs> well, it's funny because my mom was pregnant five times and she loved it. She was like, what? I love being pregnant. She loved giving birth. 
So I expected to have that experience and I had quite the opposite. I was really, really nauseous and exhausted for pretty much the whole time. I, the last trimester was actually my best. Everyone says, oh, it gets better in the second. Mine got better in the third. Um, I just was so nauseous. And if I wasn't eating, I felt like I was going to puke. So I was just constantly eating. And I remember one point I was like crying eating. I was like, I'm so sick of eating. <laughs> but I had to. Like, like eating and being nauseous at the same time was such a weird experience. Um, and, and you know, I'm older. So it was just like, I, I was really, really tired the whole time. That was, I found that frustrating, but you know, I don't even, I can't even fully connect to that feeling now. And I think that's like a, you know, a le- evolutionary um, <laughs> trick that's totally. played on women. Cause I'm like, I know in my mind it was terrible, but I look, think back, I'm like, was it that bad? Should I have another one? <laughs> um, and Ooh, labor. Would you have another one? I don't think so. My sister is about to have, my older sister is about to have a baby via surrogate. Aww. And she used the same egg donor. So our babies are going to be sisters. Oh my God, Kat, Isn't that's that beautiful. crazy. Yeah. I love that so much. She, she thought she didn't want to have a baby. She thought she was like, I missed the boat. I'm I'm fine with not having it. And then when she met Lenny, she fell madly in love and they she had such a connection with her. And I was like, You need a baby. And she was like, I think I might need a baby. <laughs> So we got the same egg donor, and so the babies are going to be half-sisters. Wow, Kat, that's incredible. And this is your sister who you make music with? Yes. This is your soulmate? Yeah, and we literally – I just bought the house next door to her, literally next door. This sounds like a fairy tale, but – I, we bought it, it all like lined up magically. Like we weren't ready to buy a house, but then magical forces came in and made it happen. Bought the house next door to her. We're cutting a hole in the hedge so the sister cousins can play together. So I brought this up because you asked if I was going to have another baby, but so I'm not, you know, technically going to have another baby, but I'm about to have another baby in my in your life in my backyard. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's that's like really the perfect, nice. that's the perfect baby situation actually. Right. I right? Think like it takes a village. We're going to have a little village. Wow. You did it. Oh my gosh. We did it. Isn't that amazing how it all worked out like that? I mean, I'm still kind of in shock, totally in shock, but it's, it's incredible. And we're super excited to, for this all to happen. How was the labor? It was a, can I cuss? It was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I read every book on every single birth. one. Oh, everyone. Every single one. I wanted to have a home birth, but oh, yeah. everyone was like, you're 44, about to be 45. Don't have a home. You know, I know you oh, can't. I'm so sick of people with the age shaming. I, just I know. I'm done with it. I'm just Well, so just like there was a high, there there's higher risks, high risk. more risks. And like it took so much to get pregnant. So I was like, fine, I'll just labor at home as long as possible. And then just zip over to the hospital and pop her out and just zip home. Like I just like that. Just I, like that. My mom, that's what happened to my mom. She like popped out five and she was like, it's a good pain. It's you're going to, it's, How? it's not that bad. 
I don't know her. I don't understand. Yeah. What did you I mean? How old was she? Was she like in her teens? She was at, when she had her first. She was nineteen, and then she. My mom also. Yeah, and then she had five. So I think maybe having them that young, maybe it's easier. And then your body's like, oh, I remember what to do and just cranks them out. But my body was like, what the hell is happening? I my body's like, I make music. I make music. My body is no, – I've been taking birth control my whole life to not do this. Right. My body was like, what is going on? And my, my water broke at midnight. On the on January thirteenth, and I was like, "Oh my god, okay." And then there was merconium in the yeah the fluid, and I, and so I called my my um, doula, and she was like, "Oh, you got to go to the hospital. Like the baby, they, if there's merconium in the fluid, it's dangerous for the baby. You got to go straight there." And I was like, "Oh, I wanted to labor at home, so you know, there goes that dream." So we go to the hospital and they're like, you're not dilated at all. And I was like, okay, so we'll wait around, wait around. I was just not dilating. And they were like, you've got to get the baby out within, you know, 24 hours. Yeah. Or 36 was like the max. Um, Or it's going to be a risk for the baby's life. So I was like, okay. So just wouldn't dilate. Nothing, nothing was happening. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, they were like, do you want to take Pitocin? And I was like, I didn't want to do any of this. I read every book on natural birth. This is not supposed to be happening. <laughs> I had the same thing, by the way. My, my water broke. There, yeah, there was meconium. Yeah. There wasn't uh, meconium in the beginning uh, for me, but my water broke. I wasn't dilating the Pitocin. And I was the whole time thinking like, I'm supposed to be yeah. hypnotized <laughs> in a pool. I was going to have an orgasmic birth. That was we my- were supposed to. We were supposed yeah. to be making love while the baby was coming out. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I saw a YouTube vid- video and they seemed to be having yeah. a great time. Yeah, no, 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 no. It was it was it was hell. It was utter hell. But I mean, I hate to scare people who might be listening to this who've never you know gone through labor, but I as awful as it was, like ev- literally every intervention had to happen beyond C-section. I, I escaped C-section by like a hair because my doctor yeah. was like, "If you give us one," I, she was in the birth canal for three hours, and they <sighs> were like, "If you give us one more push, give us everything you got, we're gonna not have a C-section." And I was like, "Okay," and I and I did it. I got her out, Yay. but it was it was a close one. But then I look back on it all fondly weirdly like as hellish as it was i was like what a what a two it took two days i was like what what a ride and like i got to witness my husband be just so incredible and supportive and i I don't know it's sometimes like when you go through these like near tragedies it's just you you the the relief on the other side is so great and Mm -hmm. You could you almost look back on it fondly like what a moment what a moment in life (laughs) yeah i mean i um I I often you know have these conversations around bringing life into the world and the inevitable conversation um around death happens which is like when we're so close to death mm-hmm. and to like it all not being great yeah. not being not being at all yeah. like it it really puts things into perspective i mean Bringing life into the world is really a big fucking deal. It's a big fucking deal. And I, 
I and feel you did like that. And you did that. Did you literally <laughs> did that. I mean, I am the first woman who ever did it. Just kidding. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, but it is such a big deal. And I'm always in, I'm always amazed. Like since I've had the experience, I'm like, why is every woman not telling this story at the dinner table? You know how like you know, men like catch a fish or whatever. They tell the story of catching, you know, or like People tell these big life stories and that so often you don't hear about until you are having your own baby. Then people tell you. But I'm like, everybody needs to – if they went through this, they need to fucking have a dinner party and tell everybody about it. I mean, that's what this podcast is, a dinner party and telling everyone about it. Right. That's it's honestly – because I, be, I think you're absolutely correct. Like, why are we withholding this information from our sister's – Right, like you didn't withhold it from your literal sister, and she was like, "This is a great idea. I'm gonna go for it, and it's gonna be the best thing ever." Right, and you see it on TV. Like you grew up seeing it on TV. You see women like screaming, and you know, in the in labor, yeah, and you and you just don't really realize that those screams are connected to actual real incredible pain like you've never experienced (laughs) it just seems kind of like a hollywood like you know whatever but yeah but i know some people it's not that horrible for but but for some people it really is very 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 painful (laughs) yeah i mean i i ended up getting a um epidural because the pitocin is actually more painful so just to validate your experience Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it is more painful yeah, I think it's like thirty five percent more painful when you take pitocin. Yeah, and so if, and 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 I sort of opted for the epidural because of that. Although you can, dis- I mean, you did it. You did it. It's just harder because they they yeah. come on fast and furious. It's like, you know, it's uh-huh. um, it's medicine. Yeah. And so it's and it's trying to catch up to dilate uh-huh. you and yeah. so it. Like it's a real thing that it hurt more. Like that really did yeah. happen. It cat really that hurt. like yeah. really did hurt more. That that happened. <laughs> and I did the epidural too, which I absolutely hated. At first, I was like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, relief!" And then I was like, "I'm paralyzed from the waist down." And I, I had already been awake for like 24 hours, so I felt like I was tripping, and like a nurse I was mean, coming, holding up my leg, and I was touching my leg. I was like, "I'm paralyzed." I'm paralyzed. I, that to me was almost more traumatic than the pain of the of the contractions. <laughs> the whole thing was just crazy. Awful. It's yeah. just so crazy. It's so crazy. And then we're walking around. This, yeah. The thing around like happened. nothing happened. That's how it happens. And I found the pushing, the epidural wore off when it was time to push. And that was painful, but I actually found that to be like purposeful pain. Oh, yeah. You know? That felt good. That part felt Yeah, good. I was like, I'm, this makes sense because I know something's happening and like it's coming out and I know like how to get it out. And that that to me was like the least painful part, even though even though that, you know, that seems like it would be the worst. But to me, that one, it made sense. And it was like, you know, it's she's coming. She's coming. So it was kind of like the excitement and the adrenaline maybe masked some of the pain as well. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. How has it been? How has the past year and a half been being it's a mom? It's been incredible. The, the first month was like my favorite, one of my favorite times in my life. You know, everyone says like you lose sleep and it's, you know, so awful and they're crying all the time. She was actually a really, really good, 
good baby, like just mm. not a lot of crying. If she did cry, it was, you know, she was hungry. I feed her. She was tired. Put her to sleep. Like she, she was really easy in that regard. And so we just spent like this beautiful month in bed just mm. and my sister was bringing us food and we were just like in this little love bubble, little cuddle bubble for a month and it was one of my the favorite one of my peak life experiences and i just i feel like a happier person with as a mom i feel like even though i'm getting less sleep i somehow magically have more energy to do the things i need to do when i need to do them wow um i feel like you're you start you like pull resources from other places you know when you suddenly like I used I used to be so pathetic like if I didn't get eight hours I was totally useless the next day and so I imagined that that's how I was going to be as a mom I was like I'm going to be useless but now it's like I I run on less sleep and I I have this purpose and this drive you know to like get things done for the family and for her and Mm -hmm. I still am excited about all my adventures and like how can I get more organized and really use the time I have in the best way and I don't know I feel like I feel like I have become a better person as a mom I I mean I don't know how everyone else in my family feels but (laughs) (laughs) that that doesn't matter actually (laughs) I love that yeah I love that after all that trial and tribulation and you do have this really beautiful song to share for it also. Oh, yeah. It's so beautiful. Thank you. I thank love you. I love it so much. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm wondering if there's any, like, bit of advice you have, <clears throat> advice you have for anyone who's looking to consider this option and or is on the fertility journey. Maybe, maybe they like you are 44. And I know that you, you know, you, you mentioned your age a few times, but the truth is that studies do show that kids are benefit greatly from parents who are older. Oh, I feel like say that out loud. Yeah. I feel like I'm a much better mother than I would have been 10 years ago. Much, you know, much more together and healed and ready to be a mom. Yeah. Yeah. I think the advice I would give for people that are considering donor egg is that just to be prepared for phases of mourning, you know, you, you're letting go of your DNA being involved. So it's like mourn that and you're letting go of the possibility that it may, your baby may not look like you, or, you know, if that's something that's important to you, you may have to mourn that. And it happened in phases for me, you know, it happened before the initial decision. It happened when I was pregnant. It happened. um, Oh, it happened when they were implanting. I, Mm. when they were implanting embryo, I, I was crying. You know, I was like, wait, is this right? You know, I doubted it along the way, even when I was nine months pregnant. I was like, what have I done? Who, who is this person inside of me? You know? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think people feel that way regardless. Even if it's their own DNA. Yeah, probably. But yeah, I think just be prepared for the, the emotional ups and downs of it. But I, I can, I can say that like, there's no way I could love my child any more than I do. Like not possible. So, Mm. you know, giving up your, your, the involvement of your DNA is seems like such a small thing to me now to have this soul that I get to get to live the rest of my life with. It's just, 
no brainer. I love that so much. I I hear the rest of your life, but I also hear lifetimes, you know? Because totally. this soul is I hope so. Yeah. I want to be with her as much as I can for eternity. <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> Yay. Where can we find you, your music, your beautiful makeup line and oh. well, um, Right now, my, my website is catpierce.com, and you, that'll take you to music. That'll take you to my, the tarot deck I created. That'll take mm. you to my beauty products. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to find, you know, things if you want to get, get your hands on those. And then there's my Instagram, which is I am cat dog, which is a nickname <laughs> my sister gave me years ago, and I can't believe that's my Instagram handle. <laughs> it's really cute. Yeah. And then I I have one for Omen Beauty as well. It's called Omen by Cat Pierce. Um, and yeah, all my music's on Spotify, Apple Music under Cat Pierce. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. You are such an effortless, creative being. It's really amazing. Oh, thank you. There is some effort, I promise. <laughs> I'm glad it comes across as effortless, but... <laughs> I'm sure there's effort, but I, you know, I just really honor all the different ways that you allow your expression to exist outside of you. Oh, thank you so much. Through through makeup, through your baby and your love and even your, your relationship with your sister. It's just an honor to get, get to know you. I see why Genevieve loves you so much. Thank you, Daniela. Thank you for taking the time and thank you for advocating on behalf of this very important you know, women's issue and, um, yeah. And, and for, Happy to for do it. egg donors, I really appreciate it so much. Yeah, no problem. Okay, friends. See you next week on the mom curious podcast. We love you. Bye. Thank you as always for listening to the mom curious podcast. My name is Daniela Ravani. I am your host. And I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Rabani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast, I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast, produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right. Have a great day.